0: 902 Brewing Company is the official beer of the Wager Pager podcast. Our friends over at 902 are putting out some of the best local craft beer in the Garden State. Log on to 902brewing.com to enjoy some of our favorite beers like Juicy City IPA and Path Pale Ale. Or come grab a growler at the 902 Brewing Company Tap Room, opening soon on Pacific Ave in Jersey City, New Jersey. This week on the Wager Pager podcast. Chris welcomes Brock Landers as his new co-host. We have a really fun and informative interview with Todd Wishnev, v personality and star of Showtime's four-part docuseries, Action. And Brock and Chris talk college football week zero with Wager Pager college football contributor, John Mahoney. Get pumped, get psyched. It's the Wager Pager podcast.
1: What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Wager Pager podcast, where we talk about sports gambling, make picks, and conduct must-hear interviews with some of the sharpest minds in the industry. This is season two, episode one, and football's back, baby. We are coming to you live from the Van Voorst Film Studio on the banks of the Hudson River in beautiful Hoboken, New Jersey. I'm your host, Chris Rogers. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Wager Pager Chris, And please do also follow the show at The Wager Pager. I am super stoked to introduce my new co-host, one of New Jersey's most prominent voices on gambling Twitter, and someone who certainly knows his way around the sports book. My dude right here is a baseball fanatic slash expert and all-around super sharp pro sports handicapper. It is my pleasure to welcome to the Wager Pager team, the one and only Brock Landers. You can follow Brock on Twitter at BrockLanders41. What's up, Brock? Welcome to the show. Not much,
2: Chris. Good to be here. What an amazing introduction. I'm flattered to be here. And who would have thought uh, a year ago that um, I would be on here? Uh, you had your show, the Wager Pager podcast. We were both there right at the frontier of the uh, the legalization of sports uh, betting, and we both had shows. and. I think it's, this is the best thing for us to uh, to both come together and uh, really hit it from all angles uh, between your contacts, my contacts. Uh, I think we could do some great stuff here together on the show and uh, basically deliver some winning information every week to help uh, you know the average sports better get to where they need to be. Because I'll be honest with you, that's the reason I'm here. I go out on the weekends to these sports books down in Atlantic City. I go to Monmouth Park. I go to FanDuel at the Meadowlands. There's a lot of guys that think they know what they're doing and they don't know a thing about the sports gambling world and you know th- there's a reason why these casinos and sports books make so much money is from the people that I keep seeing and I I want to just try to be here to encourage and and get us a-, a smarter sports better out there in New Jersey because if some of these guys came here from Vegas they'd be shocked at some of the stuff we see with the Jabroni's out here and their their own idea of of how they're beating the the number in the market so I'm glad to be here, glad to bring some great guests on the show, and uh, I think we'll have a good time and really put New Jersey on the map together.
1: Brock, I couldn't agree more, man. So many jabronis out there. That's why I brought you on. We're going to clean up this New Jersey sports gambling scene, show everyone how it's done, and I'm just super stoked because I'm here. No more recording from my freaking closet. No more winter clothes falling down on my head. We're recording at a professional studio now with four mics. We're doing in-studio guests. I got new producers, thanks to our guys over here at Van Voorst Films, a new format, new co-host. We got a new sponsor, 902 Brewing. Life is good. Let's win some money.
2: Can't get any better. Football season is here. Here we go. All right, guys, and now for our interview with Todd Wishnev.
1: What's up, guys? Our next guest is a rising star in the sports gambling mediascape. You may know him from his weekly appearances on v A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Or you might recognize him from Action, Showtime's four-part docuseries about sports betting. Here is my good friend and gambling buddy, Todd Wishtneff. What's up, Todd? Welcome to the Wager Pager.
3: Uh, happy to be here, Chris.
2: Hey, Todd, it's Brock, and uh, just from being a fan of the show that you know portrayed sports gambling for a, a different light for people to see, they kind of portrayed you more as like an observational type of handicapper. Um, is that more or less what you do, or are you just one of those guys that go back uh, to the place and kind of go through your notes and have binders on teams and stuff like that, or, or you just pretty much just watch the games and then go up to the window?
3: Um, I mean, I look, I look at a lot of the statistics and everything, but also I like to watch a lot of games because I think there's hidden nuggets in there when you uh, watch a lot of games, because sometimes the stats lie a little bit, you know, um, you know, especially in certain sports, like, you know, you're in football and, you know, teams that are up by three touchdowns and the last quarter and a half aren't really playing, um, you know, those stats get mixed in and stuff. So, uh, you know, I like to watch the games also, and, and, and especially in football and ba- basketball, I like to bet in game a lot. So watching the game is obviously very important for that.
1: Todd, you're famous now, bro. Who's the most famous person that you've come across that knows who you are? Like, who have you been like, damn, I can't believe he or she knows me?
3: Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, nobody, i trying to think if anybody's famous, um... or even oh, no, like Las Vegas question.
1: famous, some of those like industry guys.
3: I I don't know what I, I I know that I keep getting recognized wherever I go at least a couple times a day. <laughs> really? So, yeah, that's pretty. It's pretty wild, you know. So no matter where I'm going, there's always somebody coming up to me and saying, "Hey, you're the guy from Showtime. Hey, I, you know, can I take a picture or something?" You know, not just in the South Point. You know, wherever I go, really.
1: Everywhere you go, huh? Even in the grocery store? Uh, actually, it's
3: funny because. Um, I was in Whole Foods a couple weeks ago, and some guy who looked like an NBA basketball player goes, "Hey, you're from Showtime from Action, right?" I go, "Yeah." And then I was trying to figure out who he was, but he had already walked past me. So um, he said he used to he played professionally, but he didn't. He wouldn't tell me. Like he was already past me, I couldn't like quiz him or anything. But yeah, it's it's pretty funny.
1: You dropped the ball there. That's an inside source.
3: Oh yes, yes, I definitely dropped the ball. My bad. <laughs>
2: So, Todd, we got a uh, NFL season coming up, college football, which you're a fan of, obviously, as we saw on the show, action. But um, is there any sport that you like betting more than another? I mean, I, you hear that these pros out there, they love betting WNBA, and they love betting on stuff that their action gets limited. Are you one of those smaller market-type guys? Like, do you play tennis and stuff like that, or are you just kind of yeah, just the not, major not, sports?
3: Yeah, not, not too much. I played a little WNBA this year, but, you know, of course, I love, you know, I love football, and... You know, for me, this isn't just, a, you know, trying to be a pro pursuit. I also, you know, love the sports. So, yeah, I don't really play tennis or, you know, I like baseball. I like football, basketball, of course. Um, pro NBA, I don't really like to bet NBA until it's the playoffs. I did really well on the NBA playoffs this year, but not regular season. I don't like regular season NBA. Much prefer college college basketball.
1: Oh, uh, Regular season NBA is the worst thing ever. You never know if these guys are going to play or not.
3: Yeah, no betting association.
1: Yeah, <laughs> right on. All right, Todd, why don't you tell us and the listeners, how did you first get involved with sports betting back in the day?
3: Um, let's see. Back in the day, my first, actually my first ever sports bet in my life, I was working at this pizza shop in Pittsburgh, and the owner of the pizza shop, I was probably like 16 years old, the owner of the pizza shop was a huge Cleveland Browns fan. And the Browns were playing the Denver Broncos a year after the famous drive by uh, John Elway. And the Broncos, I bet him straight up that the, I had the Broncos, he had the uh, Browns. Of course, the Broncos were up huge. Browns came roaring back. It was 38-31 late. And Ernest Steiner looked like he was going to take it in for the tie. (laughs) And instead, he fumbled the ball in the famous Jeremiah Castile fumble. And I won my first sports bet. I'm sure you, a lot of people will remember that famous game um, with the Browns and the uh, Broncos. And then my first real bet was um, I was working on the commodity floor and I was 20 years old in New York City. And there was a guy who had a bookie there. And I remember I placed four $200 bets in, in pro football that day, that Sunday. And uh, the Chargers had a late field goal to have me go three and one. And I
2: was hooked forever. <laughs> yeah, so you remember the the really, really good games. Is there any other ones that stand out as a better? Because, I mean, I know sometimes everybody has, like, their top three or four where they, they'll just never forget how good of a bet it was. I mean, do you have any more of those?
3: Oh, good bets or bad bets? Because I've got a thousand bad beat stories. Yeah, but, um... <laughs> th- that was my <laughs> that...
2: next question, yeah.
3: Yeah, good, good, that's actually, well, I remember one summer in 1998, first year I ever had come to Vegas, I brought my rollerblades with me, and I would rollerblade up and down the strip looking for the best lines in baseball with $40,000 in my underwear, because I was scared I was going to get, I was scared, I had had like a fanny pack inside my boxers that I would, that I was rollerblading up and down the strip with, and uh, this was before apps and everything, you know, so I was, um, I would the blade up and down the strip and I remember one one day I had like a two thousand dollar parlay on Tim Belcher against Randy Johnson who was like plus one ninety Tim Belcher and some other game that was also plus one ninety parlay together and I think I won like some crazy amount, like eleven thousand on it or something. Wow. And then I went like eight and one that day and it was like the biggest day I ever had. I won like twenty five thousand and it was capped off by a Mark McGuire Two out, bottom of the ninth, single from Sunday night baseball, and I remember rollerblading <laughs> through Vegas in one hundred and fifteen degree weather, just you know, on cloud nine.
2: Yeah, that's euphoric. Wow, ninety eight. Wow, yeah. McGuire, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, now that I hate the year. Yeah,
3: that was the year of the McGuire Sosa thing.
2: Right, right. Now uh, I hate to bring you down off of that, but what would you say worst bet uh, that you'll never forget?
3: I got so many good bad beat stories. I, I haven't told the. I uh, I don't know if you have time to hear the Young Kippur Massacre story, but that's a that's a fantastic story. That's <laughs> really. It's actually more of a more than just a bad beat story. It really questions the nature of reality. But um,
1: <laughs> that's the first you story that. you ever told me. Uh, we'd love for you to tell it, please.
3: Hey, you want me to tell the, the Young Kippur Massacre story? If you don't mind. You want to hear that one, Ralph?
1: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, that's fine. Okay,
3: so, okay, so the, the Yom Kippur Massacre, so people have heard me say, tell it on um, on VEASAN, but um, the Yom Kippur Massacre story is from 2014, where, um, so there's a little backstory to this story. But basically, I was raised an Orthodox Jew, and um, that meant, like, you know, you don't drive on the Sabbath from Friday night to Saturday night, and you know, there's all kinds of rules, you know, you don't you know, use electricity and stuff. There's all kinds of stuff basically. But Yom Kippur is like the it's like the Super Bowl of holidays for the Jews. <laughs> and it's called like the Day of Atonement where you just basically you fast all day. You fast from you know, one night until the next night. So it's like if it's on a this particular time it was on a Friday night to a Saturday night and you fast the whole day and you go to temple all day. Now, by 2015, I was 14, I was no longer an Orthodox Jew, so I was no longer, um, you know, keeping Yom Kippur. So I went over to my friend's house, who was like kind of like a Fugazi Jew. He was fasting, but he wasn't going to temple. So, <laughs> Fugazi uh, Jew. since I was, since I was, um, you know, not really interested in the whole Jewish thing, I was like, well, it's college football Saturday. I only get 11 of these a week. I mean, a year. I better, you know, take advantage. So at the time I didn't really have a lot of money and I made a really big bet late afternoon on this, uh, on this uh, Saturday afternoon it, on the second half under 34 and a half, Arizona state against USC. And um, so basically I had that they wouldn't score more than 34 and a half in the second half. By the time there was about eight minutes to go, They'd only scored 13. So I was 21 and a half points ahead with about eight minutes to go. So I was like, there's no way I'm going to lose this bet. So it was dark by that time. So I said to my friend, you know, I'll go around the corner and get you a sandwich because you've been, you know, fasting all day. So I go around the corner, I get him a sandwich. I come back. I'm still winning huge. And there's about, you know, maybe four minutes to go. And one, And we're sitting there eating and I'm like, there's, I'd made a big bet, so there was no – I was really concerned, and there was no way I was going to lose this bet. So, anyways, touchdowns by USC. Um, Arizona State comes back with a quick touchdown. Uh, onside's kick, first play, USC scores a touchdown. I'm like, oh, my God. So, finally, there's only five seconds left in the game, and USC is winning 34-32, and I'm a half a point ahead, and there's one play left. Um, Arizona State is at, uh, like, USC 46-yard line. You're going to throw the Hail Mary, the ball will get knocked down, and I'll be a winner. And I'll have had to sweat, but at least I'll still win. So, of course, Mike Bercovici, the quarterback of Arizona State, goes back to pass, throws it up in the air. Jalen Strong jumps in front of the pile, catches it, stuns the USC crowd into the end zone touchdown. USC <laughs> loses. I lose the bet. It's an absolute stunner on a Hail Mary. Absolute stunner. Um, so, me and my friend are just kind of just, we just can't even believe what just happened. It's so, like, unbelievable. We're just like, almost laughing because it was crazy. <laughs> so, for so the next couple of days, we were calling it the Yom Kippur Massacre because, you know, I had this big bet and it happened in Yom Kippur, the impossible bad beat, right? <laughs> so that was, that was the end of the first part of the story. After that, but a week later, my friend, the Sagazi Jew, doesn't know anything about college football, sends me a he sends me a profile, like a Yahoo profile of a college football player. He's also not a sports fan, he doesn't know anything about sports. I said, Why are you sending me profiles of college football players? He goes, Oh, I just met this guy's grandfather at the coffee shop here in Beverly Hills and I thought you might know who the guy was. I said, Do you know who that is? He goes, no, no, who is it? I go, that's Mike Bocovici, the guy who sued the Young Massacre class.
1: <laughs> he goes,
3: what? You have to come over here and meet this guy's this guy's grandfather.
1: So you went? So I, go,
3: <laughs> so I went over to the coffee shop, and I'm talking to this guy. He's like a 78-year-old, like, Romanian guy, you know. His English isn't great. And we're talking, and I'm like, oh, yeah, your your grandson, you know, he... he really cost me a lot of money in the UFC game. It's really bad, blah, blah, blah. I go, it was the the Hail Mary. He goes, oh, you mean mean the Holy Moly? I go, no, not the Holy Moly, the Hail Mary. He (laughs) calls it the Holy Moly. So so anyways, I said, oh, well, you know, you live in L.A. You must have been at the game because you go to all your grandson's games, right? He goes, no, I didn't go to the game. I said, well, why didn't you go to the game? He goes, oh, well, it was young Kipper. I said, what? I said, you're Jewish? He goes, oh, yeah, of course I'm Jewish. <laughs> and of course, this kid's Jewish, his grandson's Jewish. Now, for those of you who are not Jewish, you probably don't know this, but there are probably about 0.0001% Jewish quarterbacks in the history of college football, whereas there's about 50% Jewish counts in the history of college. But there's not many college football players who are Jewish, let alone quarterbacks of major big you know, power five conference teams, right? So, it, basically, the guy who threw the Yom Kippur Massacre pass was one of the only Jewish quarterbacks. It <laughs> oh was God. really hard to believe. It was, you know, I mean, just this, the mere fact that we would meet this guy's grandfather of all the, you know, we never met anybody else's college football <laughs> players' grandfathers, but on top of us meeting him a couple of days after the Yom Kippur Massacre, he happened to be Jewish. It was just like.
1: Oh, way too crazy! God, dude.
3: I was just like, "You got to be kidding me!" Is there like curtains? Here? Am I being punked or something? Because this is just insane. So that anyways, is ridiculous. That's...
1: I love that story, dude, and that's what a lot of people love about your appearances on Gil's show. So why don't you tell us what what's it like working with Gil Alexander on a regular basis?
3: Oh, I love Gil. Alexander. He's fantastic. He's absolutely fantastic. He's uh you know, he's just really smart and uh, just a great on-air personality. So he's, he's fantastic to work
1: with. Very cool. So uh, why don't we backtrack a little bit? We were plugging action a little bit a little bit before. Can you tell us like how that all went down? How did you ever even get casted on action?
3: So I was not cast in action. I was just sitting in the in the um, what I like to call the living room, which is a South Point sports book. <laughs> um, I was sitting there on a Sunday screaming at the TVs with my cadre of people that I know. 'cause I know a lot of people here, um, you know, screaming at the TVs and then of course they had the cameras running in the sports book and they were talking to different people. They came up to me, they started talking to me. Um, after they if you remember in the first episode where they first meet me, that was actually the first time they had met me was that little, you know, um interview, like five minute interview they did with me at that time. So that's where they met me and then after that they were like, Oh, well we really like you. Can you be like a major part of the show and and we follow you around at work and at your house, and when you go to LA and blah blah blah. So that you know, they liked me from there, and then I became a big
1: part of the show after that. Yeah, dude. I think you became a fan favorite. Definitely, Todd.
2: And I, I think I, I, I totally. There was parts in, in action where when they when they profiled like kind of you for a little bit, and I don't mean to throw you in the same sentence as Vegas Dave at all, but I just think it was <laughs> interesting how. Um, getting, like, the candid reactions of kind of you guys and kind of exposing that darker side of, like, hey, sometimes we're here, you know, just by ourselves doing this because we like doing this. And I saw a lot of similarities in that, and there was a lot of truth to that. But also hearing you on Gil's show, it seems like they kind of, like, portrayed you guys in a a different light. What was your reaction to after seeing it? Did you feel differently about anything, really, on the show?
3: Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, they wanted they wanted to pigeonhole people into certain roles i think and they certainly tried to pigeon me in as like the amateur gambler um you know i'm probably you know i make some amateur mistakes but i'm certainly not the typical amateur i feel like i'm a lot more sophisticated than the than the average amateur so that was kind of a little misleading but um you know i didn't know how they were going to portray me ahead of time um so I mean, I didn't really worry about it. I'm just like, whatever. Any pub is good pub, right?
1: I noticed, too, they didn't really uh, catch one of your fortes. They didn't have you doing many, like, live bets, and I know that's that's your bread and butter.
3: Well, they did, they did it in the, in the show. There was a part where i go up to the window and bet on the dolphins. They caught me on that.
1: Oh, is that when you told them, uh, I don't want them to hear yeah, how much I'm betting, because then you yeah, won't look like yeah. an amateur, right?
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just that was funny that part. Well my, my bank got decimated by college basketball this year, so I'm not betting that much anymore, but um, you know, that was they did catch that one live live bet there. All
1: right, all right. Well then uh can you tell us and the listeners why do you prefer live betting over pregame stuff? I mean I, I feel like the
3: the the pregame stuff gets so hammered into place by the real you know, smart professionals that it's much easier for the, the books to be correct on, you know, pregame stuff. Whereas in in game, um, there's new information, right? So let's say you're midway through the like, second quarter of a football game, there's a whole bunch of more information now. Now they've played, you know, three eighths of the game, and the sports books have to throw a lineup based on the original line, and there's only two minutes during a commercial to fix it. So I feel like there's way more mistakes out there for you to. Uh, exploit,
2: so to speak. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely, Todd. I totally see what you're saying by that. And I mean, sometimes, too, there's great opportunities to, if you did miss a bet or you were leaning to one side and then you think about it again, that number comes up or even a better number and sometimes you end up, uh, you know, helping yourself out pretty much in those situations.
3: Uh, Absolutely. I, I mean, look, any information, you know, any new information is obviously germane. And if the sports books don't have as much time to assimilate that information into the new line, which they don't because they're, you know, they're just putting up lines based on, you know, basically an algorithm with, you know, slight tweaks, um, obviously they're, they're going to be behind the eight ball. And that's why the limits are lower, obviously, on in-game.
1: I remember watching games with Todd at the Black Bear in Hoboken. My bankroll would be gone, and this guy's just still firing on all these live bets and hitting, and I'm like, ah, I'm left out.
3: (laughs) We had a great time at the Black Black Bear in Hoboken when I I lived. I was working in Manhattan from 2015 to late 2017, and I lived in Hoboken. And um, Chris was in Weehawken, so he would come down to the Black Bear, this fantastic bar where they had like 15 screens right in front of the bar. It was as good as any sports book, and the food was amazing. So we had quite a good time over there.
1: That's right, the bear bites. Um, Todd, before you go, can we get one more story out of you?
3: Sure. Which story would you you like to hear?
1: Why don't you tell us how you and I first met? That's a good one.
3: Oh, okay. Well, we met because of gambling, obviously. (laughs) Um, I was at a party, and it was the night of the Ohio State-Oregon Championship college football game about four or five years ago this is when we lived and, in LA of course it, right I was living in LA at the time and um I met um Chris's good friend Mercedes at this party she's watching the game and she oh my friend has like a 30 to 1 Ohio State ticket to win the championship and I'm 32 like, oh my to gosh, 1 okay 30, sorry 32 <laughs> to 1 and um and she's like um oh, oh I'm like like I'm like, this girl knows about gambling? I was like, ridiculous. So we ended up sitting next to each other the whole night watching a football game and talking about gambling. Um, so that was really fun. And then, of course, once I was good friends with Mercedes, I became friends with Chris, and, and the rest is history.
2: <laughs> That's awesome, Todd. And uh, hopefully someday I can come out to uh, Vegas and get to meet you as well and watch a game at the South Point with you. Um, just real quick, sure, though. If, yeah, where do you live? I'm in New Jersey. Oh okay. Uh, I know you're a big Pittsburgh guy. Favorite player growing up? Favorite player now?
3: That's a good question. Well, now I don't really have favorite players because my favorite player is just whoever I'm betting on. <laughs> right. uh, although I do, I, I do like Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, He's good. I guess in the, in the old days, who's my favorite player? Mario Lemieux. Mario, Mario Lemieux. Is my favorite player.
1: Okay. Right on. All right, guys, I think that's all the time we have for today. Again, that was Todd Wishniff of Vison and Showtime's Action Fame. He's a pro handicapper based out of Las Vegas and an all-around nice guy. You can follow Todd on Twitter at T. and catch him every Thursday on a numbers game with Gail Alexander on Vison the Vegas Stats and Information Network. Todd, thanks again for joining us, my friend.
3: No problem. Thanks, guys.
1: You got it, and good luck for football this year.
3: Thank you. You too.
1: This college football segment is brought to you by 902 Brewing Co. 902 Brewery is located in Jersey City, New Jersey, and they make some absolutely delicious brews. I'm sipping on the uh, Light Rail 2nd Street Hoboken Edition. It's a lightly hopped ale, 5.4 alcohol by volume, and it's tasty stuff. What are you guys sipping on?
4: I'm drinking the Brunies. It's a India Pale Ale, and it's got a real cool Goonies vibe on the can.
1: <laughs> right on.
2: I'm drinking one that fits me very well, very baseball-themed. It's called You're Killing Me Smalls. Uh, That's another uh, ale that we have here from 902, uh, 4.5% alcohol, and uh, perfect for those uh, nights out there on the diamond. Whether you're watching your kids or fighting for softball glory, sit back and enjoy You're Killing Me Smalls, and it's good stuff.
1: Right on. All right, guys, let's uh, let's introduce our, our first ever live in-studio guest from the Wager Pager podcast. He's a good friend of mine. His name is John Mahoney, and he's an analytics dude and college football expert.
4: Hey, Chris, how's it going? Thanks for having me on the podcast tonight.
1: The funny thing is, me and John met on the first ever day of legal sports gambling. We were down in Monmouth Park. We were watching the Senators cut the ribbon and everything, and I saw this guy inching up to the window, and I'm like, this guy looks like he knows what's going on. So, ends up, actually, after Phil Murphy did the first official bet, this guy was actually the first patron or, like, civilian to put in a legal sports bet in the entire state of New Jersey.
4: Yeah, that's what I ended up telling everybody after the day. Uh, NJ.com wrote about it. It was good. I, um actually ended up showing up to Monmouth Park that morning at like 6 a.m. I was there before Stu Finer made sure to let him know he wasn't <laughs> going to be the first, first one to place a bet in my state. How pissed off did he get? Uh, yeah, I don't think he thought I was serious at first, but I was um, just off a pretty long night before, so I was de- definitely serious about it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's awesome. It was great. I have some funny pictures, actually, of John and Stu. It was great. It was great.
4: And the best thing about it was that first bet I made was a winner. Yeah, I laid a, some big juice to Uruguay getting out of the World Cup round, but it was a winner at least. It's all that matters, cash and tickets.
1: Cha-ching. All right, John, so before we get uh, started here, we just want the audience and the listeners to know that John is uh, John's like my guy I lean on when it comes to college football. This dude really knows his thing. We're going to have him on the show periodically this year so he can kind of guide us through his ways. Why don't you tell the listeners here what type of handicapper you are, what do you focus on, and what are some of your strengths?
4: Sure, yeah. So um, I definitely lean towards college football versus pro football, um, anything else like that. The way I look at it is there's more games on a Saturday than there are on a Sunday, so I might as well concentrate on the league with more going on. Um, So, I definitely look at things with a more analytical edge. Uh, There's a lot of great info out there. Um, I don't do much score game modeling of my own, uh, but I do look into what is being produced out there. A lot of great power rankings already available, so seeing where those are, the divergence from the market to those power ratings, and seeing what sets of respected rankings out there are telling me what games to be betting one way or the other. So, you're actually building models yourself already? Uh, yeah, so I'm building some models on my own. Uh, nothing that I'm making plays off of right now. Uh, most of the modeling that I'm doing is ingesting other datas, other pieces of data and then taking that and seeing which is a- agreeing that the market is off from what all of this model data is saying.
2: I give you a lot of credit for that, John. There's so many teams, so many games. It's so hard to keep track of. but. Like you said, I'm sure through all that, you probably can find some really great edges on some of those smaller teams that probably people don't you know, normally look at, and uh, maybe some of those early games on a Saturday that no one's really looking at.
4: That's definitely one of the funny things about it. I mean, uh, I was laughing last year. Uh, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, mid, where Middle Tennessee State is, actually was one of my most looked at weather locations for <laughs> last fall, so that was just something that you, it, it's par for the course when you're betting on these games. Was was there just a lot, a lot of rain or? Yeah, they get quick moving storms through that area, so it can cause some screwy things. They were pretty high flying offense last year. With Stock still coaching, Stock still at quarterback, so I don't expect much from them this year. But it'll be good to uh, keep an eye on down there.
1: That's the coach's son playing QB. Yeah, it was. So, anything popping up in your models for uh, Week Zero or anything that's coming up?
4: Yeah, so, um, like I said, one of the ways that I like to look at these games is taking some of the widely available uh, power rankings that are out there um, and comparing those against the Vegas lines and seeing where the market diverges from these lines, uh, where the market diverges from these modeled statistics out there. Um, So Just a couple real simple ones that are able for just about anyone to get. Um, ESPN's FPI, uh, Phil Steele's plus-minus rating, and then additionally, uh, even though it's a bit harder to get now, uh, you can still find the links if you're looking hard enough, uh, Bill Connolly, formerly of SB Nation's uh, S&P Plus ranking. So, one way I like to take a look at games is just take a couple sets of stats like this and sort of run them through, get expected game scores off of each, and then see where there's a divergence from the market. One game that I'm seeing a slight divergence for in week zero uh, would be the Florida-Miami game. There's a slight play, two of the three predictions, or two of the three predictive models are showing Florida to cover the seven and a half point spread. Um, one is right around seven, seven and a half points. So it's one of those things where I may not play this one later in the season, but during week zero, when I'm looking for some action, yeah, it looks like I'm going to be playing Florida this game.
1: Well, I was leaning Miami, so you're probably right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I was going to say, I do have a, a small seven and a half ticket on Miami, um, but I'll probably bet the other way now. Yeah. If John said that. Might but. have
1: to buy that back. Yeah. Very cool, very cool. So let's talk about uh, a little bit of the, the, outlook, the outlook, the landscape of the college football uh, season coming up here, which, by the way, is the 150th college football season, the great sport that was first played here at Rutgers University when they took on Princeton and won 6-4 in 1869. By the way, Rutgers didn't beat Princeton again until 1938. That That's 69 years, I just wanted to say, 69 <laughs> But uh, yeah, this is the hundred fiftieth college football season. What do you what are you uh, what are you thinking when you look at it in the big picture? Are we going to just see Bama and Clemson again?
4: I'm. I mean, Chris, you know I'm always rooting for half that Bama Clemson combination. I graduated Clemson University twenty thirteen. I've uh, been lucky enough to see all four of the Clemson versus Bama shootouts in person. Um, I do not think that we will see one this year, though. Uh, I think Clemson will hold up their half the bargain, but I just think that somewhere along the way, Alabama's going to get tripped up. Uh, coming, it's going to be two tough weeks in a row, SEC championship, followed by a first-round playoff game where I don't see them playing Clemson, and I'll just take my chances that, that won't be, they won't be able to flip that coin and it come, come up heads twice. Yes, very
1: fascinating stuff here from John Mahoney. You guys can follow him on Twitter at JF McClem.
4: JFM Clem. <laughs> I guess the best Yeah, JFM Clem. <laughs> it's a goofy one.
2: So while we have John here, I, I mean I'm not much of a huge college football better, but sometimes I get my information from people or I hear something that sees something that switch and maybe another book didn't switch or something like that. Couple season win totals. I wanna know what you think. Uh, can I just fire off a couple real quick? Yeah, fire them away. All right. What do you think? San Diego State over this year. Uh,
4: what What's the number after these? I have it down as 7.5. I'm going to take the under on that one. I'm pretty sure they have a couple early Power 5 games that don't see them coming out on top for. Okay. How about Arizona State under 7? Arizona State I definitely see coming out under this year. Um, they. Okay. Really outperformed last year. I think the market's just way too high on them. All right. And how about uh, Florida State over seven? Florida State over seven. Uh, the offensive line has to regress to the mean at some point. They've got the skill. They'll be the most talented team on the field in probably ten, maybe eleven of all the uh, eleven of the games they play this year. Florida State's over seven seems like a nice, easy one. All right. So two, two out of the three. Uh, I, I guess.
2: Hopefully we'll cash a, a ticket on. That'd be nice.
1: Yeah, yeah that's going to be part of this uh, the content here. Whatever you hear us talking about, we're going to be betting. All right, so uh, now that we're talking a little bit
4: of uh, playoff stuff,
1: do you guys have any thoughts or uh, ideas on who you'd pick? Who, who's your final four?
4: Yeah, so I gave away one of my four playoff teams pretty early on. Uh, I said that Clemson was going to be making the playoff. I think that they will certainly be the one seed. Um Two is really where things get thrown up in the air for me. I'm a staunch believer that the each conference should only have one team in the playoff. So this is really just whoever wins the SEC I'm going to put in the two slot. Um, I would give it to Alabama as of now, but this is going to be a different Georgia offense than one we've seen lately. They're going to be airing the ball out a little bit more, I think, and we'll see what goes on in that SEC championship game. Uh, The number three slot is a little bit more open. Um, I'm going to go really with a shot from midcourt here and say that it's going to be Penn State. Wow. Uh, I think that Penn State's really been building up talent throughout the program lately. Um, Just one of those Ricky Slade at running back, that's going to be a name that a lot of people are going to be realizing by the middle of the season. Um, Micah Parsons on the defensive side of the ball, he is going to be just someone that's uh, constantly around the football, Get into the ball, making plays happen on defense, and then for the fourth slot, I really think it's going to be somebody from out west. And I tempted, tempted, tempted to say the USC Trojans, uh, but I'm going to fight that off and Sleeper. say that it's going to be uh, the Washington Huskies.
1: With uh, they got Fromm now, right? Uh,
4: yeah. Or, no, so or it, uh, yeah, Jacob Eason's out there. So I don't want to give away any of the Heisman picks yet, but um, yeah, Jacob Eason is the quarterback at Washington. He transferred <laughs> from Georgia, right? Yep. Yes, he did.
1: All right, right on. Brock,
4: I'm, I'm seeing right now that that Washington to win it all is 28-1. to 1. Yeah. Is that around there? I mean, that's that's the sort of number you're looking at. Um, obviously, the game against Oregon is going to be one that matters for them. Uh, they don't really have that marquee game to start off the season this year, uh, but the game against Oregon, the game against Stanford, can't trip up in the division, get to the conference championship, and then hope that there's enough chaos around the league to where you can make your bid for the Final Four. Have you made any type of college
2: football future as far as national championship? Is there no value there? Do you think that it's a good bet uh, season long just to, to kind of monitor as it goes along? Um, what's your feelings on futures as far as championship or, or Final Fours?
4: Uh, I play Clemson every year to win the national championship. Um, that's one of those things where... I gamble with my heart and not with my head. Uh, Still a value play. The one thing that I will say is if anyone can find me odds on Clemson to make the national championship, not make the playoff, but make the playoff and win that first playoff game, mm-hmm. um, I'm welcome to find any action on that right now. I like that bet because then it typically pays for my trip to go out to <laughs> what's been San Francisco, Tampa Bay, Arizona the last couple years.
2: And that's nice in January coming from New Jersey.
4: Yeah, it, it was great great um after clemson won this past year i decided i wasn't going to get on my flight home and i was going to go snowboard squaw valley for four days after so that mo- that was money well spent thank you right Dabo. thank you team nice. right
1: on dude <laughs> that's awesome so brock you want to take a shot at your uh your top four your final four what are you thinking
2: yeah i'm gonna go with the usual chalk there of uh clemson alabama i mean you gotta i guess write those two in um I think it was interesting, John, with the USC and Penn State. wasn't expecting that. And Washington uh, State. Uh, was it Washington State? Wa- Washington. Washington, okay. Washington uh, being in there. Again, college, not my, my bread and butter. But, um, yeah, I, I think looking down here at, at some of the odds, I mean, maybe, maybe Ohio State,
4: they're always there. That's always a pick that, you know. Yeah, uh, that's just a quarterback room that, I mean, it's funny because who everyone says is going to be the starting quarterback isn't the guy that I would hand the ball to. Um, I would put the ball in Gunnar Hoke's hands and let Ryan Ryan Day sort of control things, run the offense. It looks like they're going to be giving it to Justin Fields, who I just any anyone that sees more in Justin Fields than your average dual threat quarterback, I, I don't agree with. So. Another Georgia transfer, right? Yeah, another Georgia transfer. It seems like that quarterback room is a one-way street out.
2: <laughs> and as crazy as it sounds, I think I saw somebody talking about it today on Twitter, but somebody thought that maybe LSU could make some noise this year. Any any idea on them?
4: Yeah, I definitely think that LSU is worth, I mean, they're, they're going to look a lot different than the LSU that we know um, this right. season. Uh, they're going to open the offense up a little bit more, run a bit more of a spread offense, and... It's it'll be interesting because they sort of lucked into a quarterback that is very set up to run that offense in Joe Burrow. Uh, That's similar to the Urban Meyer offense that he was recruited to Ohio State for and transfer portal sort of giveth and made this a great situation for Joe Burrow and LSU. Um, i I just don't think that they can keep up with the schedule. I think they need at least one more year where they sort of have their hearts broken and things stolen from them before Coach O can sort of quit fumbling his, re- fumbling his way around on the sideline and actually get a big win. Gotcha.
2: And what about you, Chris? What do you, what's your final for? I know you haven't written down there. You're You're eagerly waiting to... Reveal them to the world here in August.
1: My little black book here. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm pretty chalky here, to be honest. I, I don't have the balls to go out on a limb. But uh, I was thinking Clemson, Bama, obviously. My third team would be Oklahoma. I have a feeling Jalen Hurts is going to do some stuff out there, and I don't know why we're going to see him match up with his ex-team at some point.
4: I trust Oklahoma at the quarterback position. It's just that offensive line is something that isn't getting talked about enough. They have to replace so many career starts from there. They're one of the bottom teams in the country for career O-line starts returning, so that's just something already be on the lookout for. Okay,
1: okay. I might have to switch that then. I do have uh, another team here I was looking at, Michigan. I don't know how you feel about that, and I was actually thinking if I didn't pick Michigan, I might actually even slip in a Nebraska play.
4: Yeah, the Nebraska play, uh, I I think that one could come crashing down week two <laughs> when they go out to Colorado. Uh Just the Buffs as a that's a tough place to play. Tease one early season play, Um, but that's one I'll be keeping an eye on. Uh, Nebraska, it, it got trendy. It might be overvalued at this point. Um It's one they were one of those teams like Utah where. When the early prices got posted this year, people came in and really ate those teams up at the value. Did that make those teams any better? No, I don't think so. <laughs> but it's it really got them some headlines and got them being talked about for most, most bet-on teams.
1: Right on. All right. I'm going to have to uh, change that then. <laughs> well, you already had some teams, some long shots. Uh, people might not expect to be there. But if you had to pick, like, one dark horse that you would be like— surprised to make it or you know think has a chance what would you say
4: I guess this is where I would slip in the USC Trojans um, they just play one of those schedules that it they're, they're going to play enough games to build the resume uh, they have enough talent to win those games it's just a matter of if things will fall in their favor this season and I think JT Daniels is one of those players yeah. who has a lot going on just all, all, everything about him all around seems like he's one of those put-together quarterbacks that's really going to do great things for the Trojans.
2: Uh, they've probably paid their dues by now, you think, since the glory days or what?
4: <laughs> yeah, I think that they've really paid their dues. It's, it's funny because they haven't stopped on the recruiting side of the ball. They've been getting talent, uh, keeping the roster full, and they've just sort of been dealing with some quarterback luck, moving through it. I know Arnold was there, but then they did seem to have a little bit of downside in the trenches. So we'll see how it goes for them.
2: And then, John, while we have you here, because, I mean, this is a New Jersey, you know, podcast, so we're we're going from the Jersey legalization of it in the last, you know, now we're in year two, this is, right? We're going into our second football season legally. How do you find yourself betting, uh, as being here now in New Jersey, you find yourself now using... The apps you find yourself still going down in person to get down action. You still use a local guy. What's what's kind of like just so the listeners at home kind of have an idea of where you like to place some of your action now in New Jersey.
4: Yeah, so here's what I'll say to listeners: is shop all lines. Yep. Shop all lines. Shop all lines. Um, where wherever you're getting those, I I don't particularly care. Uh, I don't think Uncle Sam particularly cares. Um, I've done pretty well off some of the odds boosts from FanDuel, PointsBet, DraftKings. Uh, Some of those have sort of got to the point where they don't like me betting their odds boosts anymore. Um, (laughs) But we're at the point now where if they post a line and they'll let me place a bet, I'm going to take it no matter where it is.
1: Right on. Fascinating stuff, as always, from John Mahoney, our uh, Wager Pager podcast college football correspondent. Before we let you go here, why don't we all pick our... uh, Our pick for the Heisman Trophy winner, 2019. Who are you guys putting your money on?
4: Yeah, so um, I think the easy money for this one is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, (laughs) He just brings back so much on that offense um, and then actually adds to it as well. There's a couple freshman wide receivers, Frank Ladson and Joe Nada, that look like they're going to be household names sooner than later for the Clemson Tigers. Um, Maybe ETN steals a little too much work from Trevor, but I don't see it happening. I think Trevor's still going to be able to create a Heisman resume regardless of when Dabo pulls him out of games, regardless of how many touchdowns they run for, just because that offense is going to click at a level we really haven't seen in the past few years. The kid literally does not make a mistake. He plays perfect football. It's, yeah, it's absolutely crazy and I mean, I've seen I went and saw Trevor two years ago play in high school and you just saw the ball come out of his hand at a different level. Um, It was one of those things. And second, third reads for a high school quarterback isn't the norm. And he has made it the norm on every level he's played pretty quickly.
1: Dude, I remember you telling me that the first day we met. I haven't even heard about Trevor Lawrence yet, and you're like, you got to see this high school kid. He's going to start. And I was like, really? And boom, you were right all along. Yeah,
4: Trevor Lawrence for Heisman. That was a, a ticket I had last year. It's going to be a fun souvenir. Maybe I'll get him to sign it one day. Shit.
1: All right, I'm just going to throw one out here. I don't know how you're going to feel about it, but this is another dark horse team that I think if, if things fall their way and they win some games they shouldn't have and they end up you know, in the college playoff or whatnot, Former Clemson QB Kelly Bryant yeah. for the
4: Missouri Tigers sitting at fifty to one right now with the NCAA sanctions. Um, the playoffs going to be tough for him this year, but I do think that Kelly could make a lot of noise. Uh, the schedule sets up unbelievably easy for them this year they avoid just about every out of division sec big dog um so that's one thing to keep in mind uh he may not have the moments required uh but he will definitely have a stat line that i think will get him get him invited to new york because at that point it'll be interesting to see how many clemson tigers are on the stage was trevor
2: lawrence last year in the finalists uh no he He wasn't right yeah i'm gonna go with trevor lawrence
1: yeah, two to one. I mean, it's it seems something. like
2: two. I mean, you know, he played at such a great championship game last year, and now every, you know, he's all over the place. The face is familiarized with people. I could see him going off.
4: Yeah, really, 10 complete games, three of those being after Heisman ballots are mostly submitted. That sort of affected his resume last year. It's, it's funny because I don't bet favorites a ton, uh, especially on long shot plays like this, and especially when if you look at the Heisman in the last few years. Favorites don't win. Um, It's a lot of long shot guys. Kyler Murray was plus 3,000. Baker Mayfield was plus 1,000. Lamar Jackson was plus 10,000. Derrick Henry was plus 2,500 the last couple years. So this isn't really a futures bet that favorites end up winning. So you're saying take some chances.
2: Don't be afraid to kind of pick somebody that's going to
4: Yeah, I mentioned those Pac-12 quarterbacks, Jake Eason in Washington, that's he's going to be a guy. I mean, Jake Jacob Browning got made it to New York with in the Washington offense as a Heisman finalist and Jake Eason's arm talent is in another world than Jake Browning. So that'll be one to monitor. Uh, JT Daniels, I think he'll have the moments ready for him to make the opportunity, uh, get invited to New York. And then um, just one other one that's a super long shot. I actually haven't seen any books post a line on him yet, but Zamir White in Georgia. This is one where you're sort of hoping for chaos. Um, oh. If Georgia is starting running back, DeAndre Swift isn't there. I don't see any loss of production. He's a, a freshman, red, a red shirt freshman coming off of a knee injury. And Zamir White's a guy. I mean, I, I, I don't care what the price is. That's more action that if anybody's got it, uh, give me a shout and we can, we can book something.
1: <laughs> Let's book it. All right, guys, that's all the time we have for tonight. We want to give uh, many thanks out to John Mahoney, who's uh, hopefully going to be our Wager Pager podcast college football contributor here throughout the season. You guys can follow John on Twitter at JFM Clem. Definitely check him out. He's got a lot of nuggets coming out there.
4: And, dude, thank you so much, bro. Tremendous yeah, stuff, no, as thank, usual. Thank you guys for having me. Uh, this has been a real blast, and um, definitely hope to be back on this season.
2: Absolutely. We'd love to have you. And, again, I, I hope I could pick up some more uh, college uh,
1: experience from having John around. That college knowledge, baby. <laughs>
2: Wow, John's incredible. I'm so looking forward to learning more about college football through him. It's one of those sports where there's just so much going on, so many games, so many teams, and to have an expert like him here who's just going to break down and go through what the good games are and to kind of teach us all a little bit of what goes on in his mind, um, that, that's just great knowledge. And, and then we could focus more... Looking forward, because now we're two weeks away, Chris, from the NFL season starting, and there's nothing like week one. Everybody's zero and and zero, and you've got the games on from Thursday. You get two Monday night games. It's the best time of the year. Pro football's where it's at. Uh, I know you're looking forward to it. I can't wait to start breaking down games. Uh, Have you played anything so far yet? Have you looked into anything? I know next week's going to be pretty much our, our bigger NFL show, but what are you looking forward to most?
1: yeah, yeah, um, I couldn't have said it better myself, Brock. Um, that's why I brought Brock on the show. Me and Brock are gonna be doing our NFL segments on a weekly basis because there's no games this week. We're kind of just skip over it. Uh, look look forward to next week. but it's gonna be good. It's gonna be good. We're gonna be picking games. we're not we're not too sure about the format and the particulars right now, but it's gonna be some sort of a pick package coming your way every week in the NFL from Brock Landers and yours truly. So, since we don't have any NFL games to break down this week, why don't we uh, tell a couple funny stories? What about that guy last Friday night?
2: Oh, my God, <laughs> jeez! First of all, let's just set the background. Chris, Chris lives closer to where the studios are, and I live more in the suburbs of, of New Jersey, so it's a little bit more for a trek for me to come out here. But uh, anyway... We met up in Friday, on Friday last week at uh, the Black Bear Lounge, which you referenced in the uh, the Wishnev episode. And, yes, Todd <laughs> said there was about 15 TVs. Great, great place to watch a game uh, until 10 o'clock comes on a Friday and they turn it all off and you have to go to other bars. <laughs> so me and Chris... Which was what happened. Uh, we're having a great production meeting, kind of giving our vision for the show, kind of going over all the guests we have planned for you guys for Season 2. And uh, we go to another bar... Uh, just to finish the rest of the conversation, and believe it or not, to actually watch uh, some more Marlins baseball, believe it or not, because I had uh, a bet on the game. So, we <laughs> Brock's
1: a big Marlins
2: guy, yeah, big so, Marlins guy. So we find a uh, another bar to go to, uh, maybe two down, two three down, and uh, we go inside, and we're trying to establish a place at the bar, but already the DJ has started, and the the women are there, and the bottle service is going on, and uh, we find some man who's there, and I would say, what, very nicely dressed, uh, probably uh, a nice gold watch or something like that on. Uh, he he looked the part of a dude that probably had uh, some money, but he was there by himself, and he was kind of intrigued, I would say, when we came over to him, but but nothing as far as anything... Strange just wanted to really talk to us and get to know us a little bit
1: better <laughs> and kind of just share his wealth. I think you could take it from here, from your point of view. Well, yeah, the dude was a little bit strange, uh, smaller in stature, very uh, well-dressed. Starts uh, leaning over to Brock and basically telling Brock uh, what girls to hit on and, tell, and saying, you know, Brock, there's a girl right next to me who's making out with her boyfriend, but I know she's looking at you. And Brock would look over and be like, and I guess she kind of is in between smooches, but it's not like that. But the guy is insistent on Brock breaking up this couple and trying to talk to the woman so he could buy her a shot. After about 15 minutes of him trying to convince Brock to do this, he gave up, and I guess he decided that he's just going to start buying 10 shots at a time, placing them at the bar and using us to... uh, lived through vicariously and telling us to go out and invite girls, random girls from the dance floor to come take shots with this random dude at the bar. Not creepy at all, by the way. But of course, after a couple IPAs and, you know, it seemed kind of funny, I got into it. I started going and trying to tell these girls, here, come have a shot with this random guy at the bar. And most of them turned me down right away, but some of them started getting into it and they came over and they're taking shots and this happened like two or three times uh, throughout the next hour and of course now we're a bit shit faced and uh, this guy is just insistent insistent on being our friends and I think I invited him to come on the podcast cuz he oh, was just that God. funny.
2: jeez. Oh
1: boy. We're going yeah who's he going to bring for that? We're going to have a special segment. It's called picking up chicks in Hoboken, New Jersey when you're married.
2: What, was he married? Was that actually was that legitimate? I think he was wearing a wedding ring. What? Oh, my God. (laughs) Jeez. Yeah, he was a strange character. I mean, that was the weird thing about it, too, like... I don't know. We, we weren't dressed to, like, go out. We were just, like, two dudes meeting up for a beer, uh, grab some food, talk some sports, watch a game. He was dressed in, like, a button-down shirt, nice slacks, nice watch, and he's, like, telling me all this stuff. He's, like, you should go talk to this girl. You should go do this. I'm, like, I'm wearing a Miami Marlins jersey T-shirt with a backwards Marlins hat, and I'm wearing shorts in a club while everyone else is wearing pants. I don't know. He's just a weird guy trying to tell us to do stuff, I and... Mean, I don't know. I, I don't even think I got one of the shots. Did you get any of the shots? I
1: got one or two. Yeah. I, I made sure when he wasn't looking to grab one because he only wanted them to go to the girls. But Yeah, now it makes all perfect sense hearing your side of it. He was just using us to get to them. Yeah. Yeah. Classic, classic stuff. So uh, as Brock mentioned, he's a big Marlins fan. He uh, actually goes down to Marlins games. He's been following the Marlins for longer than probably anyone I know, except one other person. And that's Marlon's man. I don't think Brock Landers and Marlon's man really see eye to eye. We don't. We don't see eye to eye at all.
2: Um, You know, it was a cute little gimmick that he had going there for a while, but I'm taking it more and more personally um, that he's just a fraud. And I'll be 100 percent with everybody that's listening out there. He has blocked me on uh, social media (laughs) um, because I'm not afraid to call him out. And I stand behind the real Marlins faithful. There are some of us out there, as weird as it may sound. um, But, yeah, I I mean, you know, I'll give him this. He lived down there, apparently. I, I mean, I don't know his full background story. I know that he was, I think, married at one point and uh, you know, he's a he's a well-known lawyer or something like that. He's got a great job uh, down in South Florida or something like that. And he would just go to Marlin's games and be behind home plate and you know in the good seats and blah, blah blah blah. And then it got to a point where once ownership took over of the team, the Jeter ownership, He felt more entitled to just lace into the new ownership and want, like, free tickets out of them because of what what happened in the past. And the new Marlins ownership, thank God, was being, like, you know, standing still with with their position on it. And we're just like, okay, who cares? I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you spend here. It doesn't matter. We're going to change the culture and he tried to basically finagle some sort of a deal where he would get his same seats behind home plate at a reduced rate. He thought, I'm going to have to witness horrible baseball. What am I going to do? for? What are you going to do for me? Like, he was bigger than the team. And thank God the new ownership was just like, we're not going to do anything. If, if that's how you feel, that's how you feel. <laughs> and then he tried to start some crazy Twitter campaign and Instagram uh, stories of, The Marlins don't want to help the fans, and they don't want to do this, and this team sucks, and blah, 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 blah. But my problem with it all, and this is where it all lies, right? I'm a huge sports fanatic. I have teams that I have allegiances to, but being a better, I bet numbers. I bet against my team sometimes. I'll be honest with you. That's all I care about is getting to the window and cashing a ticket. And this guy I can't stand that he's still trying to hold on to the Marlins' name when he has nothing to do with it anymore. And it's you're just setting this false pretense in people's heads. And I've seen it. I went a couple weeks ago to a Yankees-Rockies game. I'm a big Nolan Arenado fan. I love the guys' game. And I go to the stadium, and I see Marlins' man is like seven rows in front of me. And people are like, oh, my God, it's Marlins, man. Oh, I want to get a picture with Marlins, man, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Meanwhile, Marlins, man, can't tell you the starting rotation right now of the Marlins. He has no idea what's going on down there. He's completely taken himself away from the team. And it's like he's still trying to live in this Marlins light. But it's like you're not a fan. And And it comes to this part, too, Chris. I can't stand going to a pro sporting event. And there's two teams that are playing there. And someone is wearing this obscure jersey from another team, or you get somebody that's wearing a, a, a different sport. I mean, oh, I don't get it. I hate it just, that it shit. drives me nuts. And then to see Marlins man wearing an old now an old orange throwback Marlins jersey from like five years ago, <laughs> and people still acknowledging him as part of the team. And that was the thing. I just got to a point where I kept seeing him on Sunday Night Baseball, and he's in Milwaukee or he's in uh, St. Louis or he's in New York. And it's like, <laughs> hey, idiot, the Marlins had a great win today out, you know, down, down home playing against the Mets today. They won an extra innings. Should have been there for that if you're such a big Marlins fan. But now he's like trying to pull this stuff that like, oh, the team doesn't want me there. I'm no longer a Marlins fan, but I'm going to still wear their name on my chest every day and wear the hat. But like, he's just a clown. He's just a guy with too much money. Make up your mind. Get a new shtick. I'm sick of it. You're, you're embarrassing Marlins people all around.
1: Yeah, man, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, after he went on with the Barstool guys, that shit just went right to his head.
2: Did he go on with Barstool? See, I don't even know because I don't care. I, I could Honestly, I would never listen to an interview with him because I don't even want to know what, he's, what he says or what he does. But he, he really went on Barstool? Was that in the last year,
1: two yeah, years? Yeah, a couple times I've heard him on there. They were really pumping pumping him up and making uh, him think that he's better than he is. And Jeez. You know how that goes. Yeah. But, all right, guys, I think that's it for our uh, NFL segment per se this week. We're going to be coming back next week and every week from now until uh, Super Bowl. I can't wait for it, Chris. Like I said,
2: I I can't wait to to hopefully pass this podcast on to people that I see out there just to get a better understanding of the sports gambling world. Um, again, I'm here to give my knowledge. If someone gives me a question on Twitter or something like that, I'd be happy to answer it. I'd even be happy if we touch upon something in an episode to go back to in case somebody has a question about it or just to even elaborate on it. I think that the uh, the New Jersey public is not informed on really the bigger picture Of sports gambling and I think a lot of people just go to these books and all they want to do is just put down their money on whatever team or whatever game that they're watching and in reality there's so much more to sports gambling than just simply picking squad a squad B or total this or total that and I just hope to hopefully inform and pass on some of my knowledge because I've been doing this and I was probably where someone who's listening to this was that was you know fascinated by by it all and wanted to be a long term winning type of better making the proper bets doing the right thing and really learning behind it and i've absorbed so much through a lot of professionals that are out there, through other podcasts, and anything I can do to help somebody, I'm always here to help them learn the right way. I don't want to see them as the guy at the sports book bragging that he he had this great bet that hit, or he wins all the time, and he's 100%, and you know he never loses, and this and that, because there's reality out there, and I think that, from what I see, there's a lot of kids out there who think they can just get started in this and that they're going to make money right off the bat. And it's not, it doesn't work that way, unfortunately. But I'm here to help.
1: There it is, ladies and gentlemen. Actionable, winning information from the one and only Brock Landers. Why don't you drop that Twitter handle one more time?
2: Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Brocklanders41, just the number 41 and uh, yeah I'm there all the time you'll you'll see me tweeting my my baseball thoughts all the time and football and I'll throw in a couple things here and there but again feel free to reach out to me Uh, I'm always around to to answer
1: questions and help people out right on and you can follow me at wagerpagerchris and please follow the show at the wagerpager that's it for season 2 episode 1 guys and as always good luck happy handicapping and may the gambling gods look gracefully down upon you okay guys be sure to subscribe to our podcast on itunes don't forget to leave us a review and please tell all your friends about us and follow us on twitter and instagram at the wager pager also if you or a loved one has a gambling addiction don't be scared to seek help you can contact the national council on problem gambling at 1-800-522-4700 they're open 24 hours a day and all calls and text messages are confidential get pumped get psyched it's the Wager Pager Podcast.
0: The Wager Pager Podcast is co hosted by Chris Rogers and Brock Landers. Executive produced by Van Voorst Films. Co produced by Chris Rogers. Created by Chris Rogers and Mercedes Barba. Additional analysis provided by Brock Landers and John Mahoney. Music by The Moreau's Project, produced and written at San Francisco Music Studios. Logo designed by John Carbonella. All picks are for entertainment purposes only, these plays are not financial advice.